So um, we're starting a new series tonight, okay? Over the last four weeks, we uh, did a series called Heart, and we talked about relationships. And we're going to start a, a short series called Choices. We, some choices are easy. You know, like you get up in the morning, and an easy choice is that I'm going to brush my teeth, all right? But that's an easy decision. We brush our teeth, we get dressed, and, you know, if you're a guy, you just throw on whatever's close to you. If you're a girl, you kind of have to coordinate. And about the only time you ever really think about what you're going to wear, right, is the first week of school where, like, you got all your new back. Maybe you did this in middle school, but, like, in grade school is when it started for me. We would go shopping, and I kind of turned the corner with my mom. Mom, I don't want you to dress me anymore. Do you guys remember that tragic moment when you had to break it to mom? You're not buying my clothes. However, for Justin, that's never changed. So you guys kind of help him with that because Shimbra's like, you come here, you put this on. You go back in that dressing room, you come back. Yes, 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 mama. Yes, mama. All right. So like with, with Justin and Cody, forget about it. All right. They, their mom dresses them. All right. And he's rebellious with a bandana. He'll get a whipping for that later from mama, mama Shimbra. All right. So like you can remember turning that corner where you decided, decided to make the choices yourself. And so like the first week of school, you had like your wardrobe lined up. You started with Monday. It's the best outfit you have. You got to wear that and walk around. Yeah, that's good stuff right there. And so, like, that's kind of like when the ball starts rolling around grade school, when you start making some of those choices, some of those big choices, what you're going to do, what you're going to be interested in, what you're going to do after school, what you like. And it kind of begins this process that you're naturally in where you start to make choices on your own. But let's face it, I mean, with choices, we wouldn't be talking about them if you always made the right choice. If every single choice that you made, that I made, that Andy made, that Renee made, that Jessica made, or Erica, or any of the leaders in here, or Captain, or Dave, I mean, we're all in the same boat. So as much as I'm going to be talking to you, I'm going to be talking to me. And as I talk to you, I'm not coming at you. I mean, we're going to talk about some things that are tough to chew on, and I hope that you'll take it, and you'll think about it, and you'll apply it, and say, hey, Maybe I'm not into the God thing, but this makes total sense. So no matter where you're coming from, I see a lot of visitors. Maybe this is your first time to be at like a a church deal, even though it's kind of, it is and it isn't. What we're doing here is we're kind of showing you some things that maybe you've never seen before and giving you a chance to scratch your head with. So as we talk about choices, the reality is is that we make some bad ones. Here's a few examples right here. Maybe maybe some of you guys, you... um, you, you tell your parents, hey, I'm, I'm going to a movie. And so, like, maybe the choice that you make is that you're not really going to the movie and you were never going to the movie to begin with, but you're going to that person's house who your parents hate and they don't want you to be with. And so you kind of perpetuate this kind of, like, I'm going to the movie. And then when you come home, you're testing the waters. You kind of sneak in. You're seeing how they, their demeanor and, the, you know, kind of their arms are crossed. You know you're in trouble. But and they start asking questions, and you're evasive. You do everything you can to kind of make sure that um, you don't get caught, you don't get busted. So maybe that's a choice that you make. And it's funny with that kind of choice because usually you only regret it when you get caught, right? Like, hey, I called, I called Chelsea's mom, and you weren't where you said you would be. She said, I have no idea. I thought she was at your house. And I'm not, like, picking on you, Chelsea. I just saw you, and it was easy. How many of you guys have ever done that before? You've been busted like that where you maybe lied to your parents, you made a wrong choice, nobody in here, you're all angels. Oh, man. All right, well, let's try these right here, okay? You maybe, um, maybe you've made the decision or you made the choice to pay someone back for something they did to you. You weren't willing to let go, 
And maybe you made a choice that you regret or you don't regret, and you decided that joker's going to get payback. They did this to me. They crossed the line. They looked at my man. Uh, all right. Okay. So how about this? Here's a choice that we often make, or maybe you've made, not letting someone know that they hurt you. Some of you guys, you walk around, and somebody's hurt you, or they put a lot of pain on you, and you continually, continually make this choice to eat your pain, and you don't say anything, and you just kind of let it go underneath the surface. How about this? Some of you guys, maybe you've made the wrong choice to hang out with the wrong crowd, or you've asked someone out, or you've you didn't ask them out. Maybe you made a bad choice and you're like, man, I should have never asked that person out. Or maybe you're like, man, I missed my chance. I, I should have, now they got the girl or she got that guy and that, they belong to me, all right? So here's another one. Maybe um, you're letting somebody drag you down into trouble. Maybe you're making the choice and you're watching someone get hurt and you're seeing them get pummeled by somebody, maybe not physically, but emotionally or verbally, and you and you made the choice that you weren't going to say anything, even though you felt like, I should step in. I mean, this is not right. These people are slandering them or gossiping them. And rather than just kind of standing up and saying, hey, can we, can we just cool it off? You're kind of making the decision to say, I don't want to have, I'm just, I'm going to stay neutral. Here's another decision. Maybe you've done this. Maybe um, you photoshopped. I, I, I had a student once that got in trouble. They, they had ISS is they photoshopped a picture of somebody they didn't like at school, and they put all this stuff on it that um, they shouldn't have, all right? I'll just leave it at that. And then they threw that picture out everywhere at a big place on campus where a lot of students were. And, of course, they, they got caught. They chased it down to them. And maybe you guys have done something like that. In middle school, this was, this was one of the coolest stunts ever. Do not do this. Do not do this. Do not go home and even try this, all right? But we had a kid... And he always got in trouble, and um, that's what he was known for, and that's what his identity was, and that's what he maybe he wanted or maybe he didn't want. I don't know. But he got a hall pass one day in school, and um, he left the class. I wasn't in that class. I just heard about it through the grapevine. But he, took, he went to his locker, got out some lighter fluid, and, like, they'll throw you out of school for this today. They don't mess around with 911 and everything. But back then, you know, they just gave this kid suspension and sent him to the to the hardship school, but he got some lighter fluid, and he just started walking down the hall, squeezing the can, went all around the campus, making one contiguous strain, and then when he got to the end of the can, he shook it, then he took out his match, and he lit it, <laughs> went all the way as far as it could go around the campus, the alarm went off, bizarre, left a scar in the school, you know, everybody was like, who did this, some people were laughing, some people were like, bro, could have burned us all down in flames. So I don't know. I don't know. You probably have never done anything like that. Maybe a decision you've made is that you're not going to keep up with school. All right. Maybe you've made the choice. You're just kind of like, I can't. I can't get caught up. This geometry is owning me. I missed a theory. Forget about it. And I'm just, just going to let this class go. Maybe you've made that decision and you've regret it. All right. Maybe it's ditching school. I mean, I could talk about a whole host of things. But we're doing this series because you guys are making choices, and you're in this season of life where you're trying. Nobody wants to make a bad choice. I mean, honestly, even despite what might be on the outside or what your reputation might be, deep down inside, when you lay your head down on your pillow at night, most of you guys, you think about the decisions you've made, including myself, and you say to yourself when it's all said and done, when nobody knows, man, I wish I hadn't have done that, or I, I, 
why didn't I choose this? Or I can't believe I did that. Now, the purpose of this series is not for me to dredge up all of your dirt and make you think about bad decisions that you've made, but instead tonight I want to talk to you in this first week of this two-week series about how to make the best choice for yourself. Now, I'm not going to preach at you. I'm just going to, I, I just want you to think about this, and I want you to try to do some things that maybe you've never even done before, and I'll give you a little homework at the end here, not like what you're going to get a grade for, but something for you to say, okay, I'm actually going to try this out. So you guys, listen up. But we've, so we make these decisions, and we've all made dumb decisions, and I've never done anything like super catastrophic to my life, but I have this one genre where I constantly made bad choices, and that was with cars, all right? When I first turned 16 and I got my license, uh, I told you guys the, the very first car that I had was a Gremlin, a 1972 AMC Gremlin, one of those sweet rides. It had blue jean seats. It was built like a tank. It was like solid steel, and we had a ball with that. I was nervous at first about driving it, and I thought, you know, they're going to mock me and make fun of me, but the way it ended up is everybody wanted to ride in the Wayne's World Mobile whenever, you know, whenever we um, went out on Friday night, so it was like the sweet car to have, but at first I thought this was the bad car. Okay, so before, but before I got that car, I had to wait like a month before my grandfather gave it to me, all right? And so I drove my mom's Volvo, all right? She had this Volvo station wagon, not cool, maybe a little bit cooler than the Gremlin, so it was a God's way of easing me into a Gremlin. But she had this Volvo, and I would take it to the grocery store. How many of you guys have a license and you can drive? Don't you find yourself saying that anytime there's something that needs to be done, you're like, I'll go get it, Mom. I'll go get it. And so you take the keys, you get in the car, and you go driving. Some of you are not comfortable with that, but every one of you, once you get, to get a car, you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to go. I, I, I want freedom. I want flexibility. And the car and the wheels represent that. So you hop in the car. And if you were like me, maybe you didn't really think about what you were doing. You were obeying the rules, but then when you were in a situation where you didn't have to, you were kind of stretching the boundary. Well, for me, that was going through our neighborhood at like 60 miles an hour, all right? I would like start, I would like get away from my neighborhood, get away from my neighbors, and I would take like the neighborly route to the grocery store. And when I got to this other subdivision, I would like, wrong. I mean, I just thought I was above the law, like I wasn't going to get caught. Well, I was driving this car hard. It's a station wagon. And I'm like taking corners and, 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 and all this other stuff and basically almost peeling out at night whenever I'd go to the store. And then when I would go home and I would park the car, you could smell the rubber, the burnt rubber. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I'd put my hand. You could hear the clanging of metal because I'd been running this thing full throttle. And I'm like, whoa, I hope, I hope I, I, you know, I'm sure it's going to be all good. So I would do this every time I would go to the store for a month. Well, about day 25, I'm taking that car, and I'm doing what I, will, what I want to with it, kind of thinking I'm above the fray. And I round the corner to go up my street, and I'm taking it slow because I'm in my neighborhood. But then all of a sudden, the car, and it stopped. And I try to start it, and I just hear this hammering. It, it's, and, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm trying everything. I can't start the car. I pop the hood. I don't know what I'm doing. You guys get that, you know that nervous feeling where like, you're like, oh, you know, oh my gosh. You're thinking about the consequences. You're thinking about what your parents are going to say. And for me, it, 
I realized if I don't get this car to start, I don't know what I'm going to do. So it kind of snowballs. One choice, one bad choice leads to another. And, and for me, that choice led to this, like, this fantasy world that I started making up. I don't want to own this consequence. I don't want to admit what I've done. So I took that car and I pushed it a full block on an even pavement. I was wore out, y'all. And I had my hand, I had one hand on the door, the other on the steering wheel, and I was pushing and leaning into it. I pushed that car the full length of our street, and then I parked it. I parked it right there, shut the door, and I walked in. And my game plan was to pretend like nothing happened. The next day, my parents get out, and they start the car. We can't start the car. And I'm like, you can't start the car? Oh, my gosh. What What could I, let me go take a look at it. So I perpetuated this game, and I just kept it, like, super secret. In fact, getting ready tonight, when this story came to my mind, or getting ready for tonight's talk, I realized my parents still don't know, all right? They still don't know. And we broadcast our, our services live every night, so I'm hoping that they're not listening or that they know that we have a podcast. And because it would be bizarre right now. And I probably should admit it. I don't know why I haven't. But when I thought about this story, I realized I destroyed my parents' car. I threw a rod in the car. You can't do anything with a rod that is, that, that is broken. It's basically a brand-new engine. They had to get a new car. And I sat there on ice and I was thinking about that choice and how much I regretted it and hoping I won't get in trouble. And with cars, it's just kind of plagued my life. I'm like a horrible driver. I, I, and I've, like, tried to, I've tried to, like, put myself above the fray and, like, cattle say, look out! You know, I'll look up. You know, I'll be texting, and we'll be, like, 20 yards from a car going 40 miles an hour, and I have to jam the brakes, and she screams at me. Well, not screams. She, she talks sternly to me, and I'm all defensive. But I just realized today, and I just kind of folded, and I said to myself, no, I, I am a bad driver. I hate asking for directions. I always want to perpetuate that I'm in charge, that I'm in control. And, and just, just to kind of close this illustration out, one time we took a trip to Springfield, Missouri, and I told, she asked me, do you have a map? And I said, I don't need a map. This was back before they had GPS. We were kind of newly married. I wanted to show her that I was a hero. I could be a hero, baby. All right. So, so I told her, no, I'm in control. And my, again, my game plan was instead of going the way that we'd always gone, I was going to take a shortcut. So we left Dallas, and we were headed towards Springfield, Missouri. All right? I'll draw it from your perspective. So I said, I'm going to cut this way and go through Arkansas. Bad mistake. I had no map. What should have taken us like six hours lasted 12 hours, a full day. We didn't know where we were. We were like going down blacktop roads and people like with no shoes and, and overalls spitting like a huge wad of tobacco and their shotgun in hand. You lost, boy. It's like deliverance. We were scared, okay? Scared for our life. And when it finally came to... When I finally came to and I finally folded and we, found a, we finally found a gas station, I had to walk in and say I have no idea where I was. That's when I discovered how far, how far off that I was. And it's kind of like it's the same way with life and it's the same way with choices. And what I want to say to you guys and what I want you to chew on is I want you to understand that every decision, every choice leads to a destination. Every choice leads to a destination. Cars, I had bad luck with them. 
I get lost. I get easily distracted. I have tunnel vision. I go too fast. But when I'm going somewhere, nine times out of ten, I get lost. And, and, and I do this for several reasons. And in life, with choices and with decisions, you need to understand that you, every decision that you make and every choice that you make, it's going to put you someplace. Now, some of you are so focused, and you're awesome, that the decisions you're making, you're tracking in a way that you know where you're headed. And some of us, if you're like me, most of the time you do things on impulse, and you don't realize that the decisions that you make are putting you towards somewhere. Make no mistake about it. So you can't just walk. You can't walk away from your decisions and not pay the consequences. I hate that. It sucks. But when you make a decision, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come with a consequence. You can make a good decision and reap a good consequence. You can make a bad decision and reap a bad consequence. So here's some things for you to chew on. With your friends, what's your destination? Where are you headed? Where are you headed with your friends? Where are you headed with mom and dad or mom or dad? Where are you headed in, your, in dating, with your relationships? Where is your destination when it comes to the things that you do with your free time, the parties that you go to, the things you say, the stuff that rolls out your mouth, the stuff that, that you allow to come into your mind or into your heart and the things that you participate in? Where's your destination with that? Because what I want to challenge you with in this series is to think about not just what you're doing in the moment, but what that's gonna, how that's going to impact you long term. Now, if I sound like your mom or your dad, I'm not meaning to. I'm just kind of, pre- again, I'm presenting something to you. I can't make you do what you don't want to do, but I want you to at least say, okay, I won't make any judgments on you. I won't make any assumptions or try to play in my mind what you're saying right now. I'm going to actually listen. That's part of making a choice. When you make a choice, you determine that you maybe don't know everything that you think you know. And when you submit and say, okay, I'm just going to at least listen, the Bible says that that's you do well in listening, okay? How far are you going to go? What are you not willing to do? When do you know that you've made a right choice or a wrong choice? Deep down in your heart of hearts, listen, students, deep down in your heart of hearts, with choices, you need to first determine where you're going in life. And this is the kind of stuff, the kind of stuff that when you're alone and you lay your head down on your pillow and none of your friends are there, and no, none of the, the, the pressure is there, and you're about to fall asleep, and you're thinking about life, and you're thinking about what you want, and you're thinking about where you want to be, and what you like, and what you don't like. This is the kind of things that I'm talking about. What is it, this God-sized dream, or this dream that is in your head, where you see yourself being, or where you want to at least be? You can't get there by accident. Okay? So like I said, I mean, I get distracted. I daydream. I play with the iPod. I mean, I, I go too fast. I tailgate. I compete with other people. How many of you guys, you race other people? Like somebody pulls ahead of you and you're like, uh-uh, you know? Then you see them accelerate and you're like, nah, uh okay? And you go faster than them. It doesn't matter who they are. You got to win. You got to be there first. That kind of stuff, it ruins me. How many of you guys are like that? Kind of, all right, you're in a race. All right. That's when I do that kind of stuff, when I kind of zoom through life like I do driving and I'm and I'm busy looking at what I like to do or, or I'm I've got my mind or I've got my heart in other places other than looking at the path that's in front of me. 
when I do that, I cause frustration. I put myself at risk, and I put everyone else around me at risk because I'm not focused on that destination, all right? And the thing that I love about you guys, the thing that I love about students is that you guys, when you know where you want to go, nothing will stop you from getting there. And that, I, that's why I love student ministry because I love to see you guys on fire. And when you're on fire, it is like, it's awesome. We sit back and we're like, God, we get to be a part of this. But with you guys, when you are dead set on doing something, you're going to do it. There's a little bit of stubbornness there, and when you fuel that energy in the right way, it's a beautiful thing. And some of you guys in this room, you know, too, that there's some things that you're pursuing and you're dead set on, and maybe there are things that are not going to put you on that path. So here's a powerful truth, all right? Listen to this. You can have all the best intentions in the world. Like, if I made you write down on a piece of paper right now, and you would say, this is my goal. And maybe you've got goals for marriage. You've got goals to have a family, to have a job with security. You've maybe got a goal that you're always going to keep God at the center of your life or you're going to be focused on him. Here's what I want to profess to you. You could have all the best intentions. You could have all these off-the-chart goals that you wrote, but it doesn't mean squat if you're not making the decisions today to get you there. In other words, you could say, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. But right now, if you're doing something completely opposite of that, it is not going to work. This is a very powerful truth. And you have to absorb this right now. You have to understand this. It would be like saying, I'm going to be a professional athlete. And I'm going to get a scholarship and a full ride. And I'm going to play pro sports. And I'm going to, be, I'm going to, I'm going to have this awesome, um, I'm going to be making tons of zeros and drive these fast cars, and maybe you're not after it for that, but you just want to be the best. But what would be bizarre is if you said, I'm going to do all of that, but you didn't try out for the team. You didn't practice. You didn't watch. You, you didn't physically train. You didn't even bother thinking about the rules of a game. You didn't know the rules of a game. So, like, it would be bizarre if when you became a junior or you became a senior, you got mad at the system and said, now, how come you didn't pick me to be on varsity? What are you smoking? You didn't even try out. I mean, look at you. You, you didn't even, you're, you haven't tried nothing. And so for you to have all these expectations like something, we live in this crazy world that says that you're entitled. And my generation went through this too, where you have these, you can expect to get what you want. You can have it your way. But the truth is, is, the reality is, is that if you want something in life, you're going to have to work for it. You can't expect to get it to you, give it, hand it to you. It doesn't work that way, very seldom in life. And so when it comes to my choices, again, I have to understand that if my destination includes all of these things, God at the center, or maybe not, whatever it is, I have to understand that I've got to make these choices now. That stuff isn't going to park itself at my door mysteriously after living a life far removed from that. And I love you so much. And if I didn't love you, I wouldn't tell you this. Jeremiah chapter 18. You guys are doing a great job. But in Jeremiah, we, we kind of bring out this gnarly big book called the Bible. And it's got a little cool stuff in it. Maybe you like it. Maybe you don't. Maybe you have one. Maybe you're like, ooh, it's kind of over, overwhelming. But I want to break something down for you and let you kind of chew on this. In Jeremiah, the Bible's talking about this potter. 
and he's working on this clay. You guys have played with clay dough. A little bit more intense than that, all right? But he goes down, uh, Jeremiah goes down, and he sees this potter working at this wheel that's spinning, and, and he's working at the clay. And the Bible says that the potter sees this um, defect in what he's working on. The Bible makes a point of saying that if the potter catches that defect, he can kind of reshape it before it goes to the kiln and work that defect out. But if he doesn't catch it, or if it's not made known to him, and he takes it and puts it in the kiln, and, it, and, it's, and it's burned, and, it's, and, and then it comes out, that defect will be a glaring, glaring problem. And when he finally sees it, he'll have to take it and shatter it and break it. And the truth of this is that it's so, it's so much easier to be open and honest. And that's what I love about the energy from Chris's song and the lyrics to finally say, you know what? Dang it. I'm screwing up. I'm playing this game. I'm making all these decisions saying I want one thing, but not doing the things that will get me there. And it'll be much harder for you to come to that realization down the road and have to be broken and shattered than for you to suck it up right now and say, okay, I need to start over on this. I need to be honest. I need to be real. And I need to honestly examine where I'm at. Solomon. I don't know if you guys know who that is, and I'll be real quick, but he's this dude in the Bible. And he was a king, and God kind of came to him and gave him this genie in a bottle moment. He says, you can have whatever you want. What do you want? And he could have said, hmm, I want riches. I want the Lamborghini chariot. I want the, the pimp uh, tent and with all the Bedouin ladies. And I want, I just want to be flush with Jack. But here's what he did. He said, God, I want wisdom. I want wisdom. And God was like so pleased at what he said. He said, you're going to get that. But because you didn't ask for all those other things, and you asked for this instead, I'm going to give you that too. And what the Bible's saying about this is that we need to yearn for that more than we yearn for anything else in our life, that we would follow God's wisdom, that we would chase after him. It's so attainable, guys. That's why I said that I love about you that when you set your heart on something, nothing can stop you, not even hell itself. Like you're dead set on it. Love that about you guys. Solomon, God kind of uses Solomon in a lot of ways, but in Proverbs, he gets to tell, God's telling this story through Solomon, and there's two people in this story. And so Solomon is watching, he's kind of, he's walking through his palace, and he's walking down a hallway, and his eyes kind of look through, and he sees down in the streets this group of, like, teenagers, students. And he, the Bible says he sees this young man. He kind of laser locks on him. But this young guy's with this crowd. And Solomon has this perspective of them not knowing that he's watching. And the Bible kind of gives both sides to this. You guys track with me here. It's a, it's a kind of a brutal, awesome story. He says this, As I stood at the window of my house looking out through the shutters, watching the mindless crowd stroll by, I spotted a young man without any sense arriving at the corner of the street where she lived, then turning up the path to her house. It was dusk, the evening coming on, the darkness thickening into night, 
Just then a woman met him. She had been lying in wait for him, dressed to seduce him. Brazen and brass she was, restless and roaming, never at home, walking the streets, loitering in the mall, hanging out at every corner in town. She threw her arms around him and kissed him, boldly took his arm and said, I've got all the makings for a fee. Today I made my offerings. My vows are all paid. So now I've come to find you, hoping to catch sight of your face. Ooh, that sounds so good. She's like, I got a meal for you. I got a whopper, and I'm all decked to the hilt looking for you, baby. All right? That's, that's a lot for a guy to overcome, and he is overwhelmed. He is definitely in over his head. I've, I Check this out, and I'm going to get a little colorful with you here, so we're all mature. I've spread fresh, clean sheets on my bed. You know when someone, uh, yeah, forget about it. Oh, mama, okay. All right. My bed is aromatic with spices and exotic fragrances. Come, let's make love all night, all right? Woo! It's getting hot in here, all right? But the truth telling of the Bible is is Solomon is watching from his window and this guy is headed toward that disaster. Because here's the deal. The Bible says that this chick later on, she's married. And she is way off her rocker, just in this bizarre place. Maybe she has pain. Maybe she has hurt. Maybe you can feel sorry for her. Maybe not. But this story is kind of a symbol of trouble. And when trouble comes your way, are you like this guy? He's just kind of walking around it. Because the Bible says that that he went toward her, and that this was her zone, this was her spot. She was well known throughout the community for this, and he's just kind of like, whether intentionally or unintentionally, he's just kind of hanging out. She knows, and she falls prey. And so with choices and with decisions, what I want to say to you is that you've got to be so careful. Here's another scripture, and I'll keep this short. Proverbs 6, almost done. It says this, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man or a woman walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? Here's the deal. What the Bible's saying is, you put fire in your lap or you walk on fire, you're going to get hurt. You're going to be burned. So when it comes to making choices and it comes to making decisions, if I have a destination and I understand that every choice that I make is going to put me at a destination, I can't be putting myself in a situation where I'm making choices toward places that are going to take me away. I'm going to get burned. You cannot kid yourself. You can't fool yourself. You can't play that game very long enough before it catches up with you and totally ruins you. So here's the deal. You need to decide who you want to be, where you want to go, and stay on that path. Stay on that path. But it starts now, not later. Right now, where you laser lock and you focus on that. Here's the first thing, okay? So how do I do that, Chad? How do I do that? Number one, don't trust in yourself alone. Don't trust in yourself alone. Proverbs 28, 26 says, if you think you know it all, you're a fool for sure. Real survivors learn wisdom from others. And you've got to lean into the people that you trust and that you know love you care for you, and are headed toward the same place you're headed. And not only are headed that way, but are actually living it. Boom, boom, boom. Soak up the leaders like a sponge. This is a huge responsibility for you, leaders, because you're making a decision too. People are looking at you and watching you 
So when you're not even around students, you have to think about what you're doing, myself included, because people are watching you. And you guys need to be an encouragement to each other and hold each other accountable. That's why we have the gathering. It's feeling heavy in here, I know, and you feel like I'm coming at you. I'm not. I'm just telling you the truth, that it starts now, and it starts with you being intentional. Why can we not trust in ourselves alone? Because we have the tendency to persuade in our lives, right? And let's just be honest. The pressure gets on, and the whole crowd is moving one direction. Even though we know it might not be the right direction, we get swayed. We'll always take the easy way out. We'll always think about our comfort first. And here's the other deal, is that we trust our feelings too much. The feelings are strong, and God put them there for a reason. But a lot of times... We get impulsive with our choices because we think about our feelings rather than looking at the truth, the truth about ourselves, the truth about the situation, what people are really saying, what actually is going to happen, and we maybe feel like we're empowered, or we feel like everybody's out to get us, or we want to hurt someone, or we're after this or that. And what you have to understand is, is that you've got to put that up against the mirror of reality and say, man, I can't really, I've got to stop because I'm going to make a decision through my feelings. I've got to have something to bounce this off of. Rather than going with what you feel, ask yourself, what's the wise thing for me to do? And if you don't get anything else from tonight's talk, you only get one thing, this is it right here. What is the wise thing for me to do? What is not the, it, it's not what's the easy thing to do. It's not what is, the, what is it that everybody else is doing or, or what's going to make me feel the most comfortable. It's what's the wise thing to do in this decision and in this choice. So based on, and, and the way you figure that out is look at where you're going. Look at where you're going. Based on where you want to be in life, even if you're not there yet, even if you haven't reached some of those things, based on what you're laser locked on and focused on, when you ask yourself, what is the wise thing for me to do? Anything that peels you away from that. Anything that, that sends you the other way or even... Maybe it's a good thing. It's close, but it's not dead on. I'm not going to screw with that. I'm not going to screw with that. I'm going straight here. So when you ask yourself, what's the wise thing for me to do? It's going gonna, it's gonna to change everything. What's the wise thing for me to do at this party? Be honest with yourself. What can you really handle? And when you realize, no, it's not that. What is the wise thing for me to do with this drink being offered to me? Or or this friendship, or this relationship, or the place that I'm thinking about going to, or, or how I'm treating this person, or, or, letting, or, or not speaking up, or speaking out, or, or even though I didn't study, what is, the, what, am I, what is the, every time you come back to that, and you look to where you know you should be, and where you want to be, when you ask yourself that question, you're, gonna, you're, you're going to find yourself closer to that destination. Now, here's the deal. You're going to have a little bit of tension. Because what it isn't, what it isn't, again, is not what is, what is the most convenient thing for me, what is the most comfortable thing for me, what is the most popular thing for me, what is the easiest thing for me, what is the laziest thing for me. It's what is the wise thing for me to do. Really search yourself. Here's the deal. I told you guys I'm horrible. I get lost a lot because I get distracted. But this Christmas, we got this sweet kicking GPS satellite system. It's a Garmin. And here's the deal. It knows everything. It is so awesome. It's so freaking awesome, all right? Because you can tell it. You, can, you have to agree to this first. 
But you can tell it where you want to go. No matter where you're at, it'll plot a course for you. Not only that, but you can also, you, if you were in the like, if you didn't know where you were or what was around you, you could go to this menu and say, points of interest. Um, I need something to eat. Show me all food. And what it does, some of you guys have this, but the, like I haven't had this, and this has changed my world. I now don't get lost. I don't get distracted. The GPS Garmin is like totally changed my life. And so like I can go to Sonic. I can go to the water tank. I can go to, I've never been here, Sejong Restaurant, whatever that is, Mongolian Barbecue, Pizza Hut, Krispy Kreme, Kirby Lane, Shortstop. I can do this for banks. I can do this all day. I can drive to places just pointlessly. Look at me and then walk away. They'll be like bizarre, all right? But the thing about this, the thing I love about this is it takes away all doubt. It removes all doubt. And with your life, real quick, you need to tune into this GPS wisdom. And when you tune into GPS wisdom and you think about where you want to go, then you're going to realize if this is where I want to be, if God is a part of where I want to be, and relationships centered around Him is where I want to be, and maybe you don't just yet, and that's totally fine. I totally love that you're here. Take all the time you want to ask questions. We're not in a rush. We're not in a hurry. But if this has something to do with your life, well, then everything that you do is going to be laser-locked like a GPS on figuring out what is the wise thing for me to do. And I promise you that it's there. Okay, so now what? Now what? I'm done with this, all right? I'm going to ask you to apply this. I'm going to ask you to do this. For one week, I want you to try living this GPS wisdom. This is only a two-week series. We're only going to talk about, we're halfway done. Okay, that's crazy. I'm going to talk to you about what you, I'm going to talk to you about what you do when you make a bad choice next week. How do you recover from that? Is there room for forgiveness? How do I restore relationships? Stuff like that. I want you to come back because it's good medicine, even though it's painful. But here's what I want you to do today. This is enough for you to go home and to ask yourself with the decisions you make, what is the wise thing for me to do? Plot your course. Determine your destination, and then from that moment on, for the rest of the week, for the next seven days, because you and I both know something's going to come up. Something's going to come up. And you'll see a difference right away, where instead of operating out of your feelings, you first say, oh, wait a minute. And internally, you do this three key things. What is the wise thing for me to do? Now, if you try this and you fail, the point is not to point out your failure. It's that I want you to try, okay? Now, if this goes well for you, next week, Maybe you keep trying it. I don't know. But this week, say, what is the wise thing for me to do? Based on where I'm headed, based on my de destination, what is the right wise thing for me to do? Now, when you do this, if you do this this week, this is what's going to happen to you. It's going to lead you to rescue. It's not going to lead you to pain. It's not going to lead you to hurt. The Bible says this, if you live a life guided by wisdom, you won't limp or stumble as you run. So you'll know that when you're hurt and when you're dying in a pile because of your choices, all right, that maybe is a sign to you that, that um, you've made the wrong choice. But there's going to be freedom in making a choice that's locked on God. Here's the next thing is that it's going to lead you away from regret. Lead you away from regret. Nobody sets out in their mind, I'm going to screw my life up. I'm going to make some off-the-wall decisions. Here are the things I want to do. I want to get arrested one time in my life. I want to get caught for possession. I want to get someone pregnant, all right, out of wedlock. I want to, I want to um, 
live with guilt. I want to live with um, regret. I, wanted, I want to have tried all these things and have horrific experiences and have all of this relational fallout. I want to frustrate everybody where I, that I go. Now, if I said anything in that category of stuff, I'm not, I'm not coming at you, but what I am saying is, is that if you're standing right here, right now, in the midst of that, you would say, yeah, I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear that. And I'm not, I, I don't want to point that out to you to make you feel bad because the leaders will tell you in here, and myself included, that on that list, there are some things. We didn't set out to do that. We didn't want to do that. We've got victory over that, and that's a part of our past. But what I want to say is that if you don't want to go there, you have to purpose now to go away from it. 